You're listening to The Digital Entrepreneur, the show for folks who want to discover smarter ways to create and sell profitable digital goods and services. This podcast is a production of Digital Commerce Institute, the place to be for digital entrepreneurs. DCI features an in-depth, ongoing instructional academy, plus a live education and networking summit where entrepreneurs from across the globe meet in person. For more information, go to rainmaker.fm slash digital commerce. That's rainmaker.fm slash digital commerce. Welcome back to The Digital Entrepreneur. I am your host, Jared Morris, the VP of Marketing for Rainmaker Digital, and this is episode number 23. And this week represents a bit of a shift here on The Digital Entrepreneur. You know, as I have gotten my feet wet hosting this show and talking in depth about digital entrepreneurship and building a digital business, it's made me even more curious than I already was about the individual journeys and stories of digital entrepreneurs, people like you and me. And there are so many of us out there doing incredible, inspiring things that we can all learn from. And so we're going to spend some time on the digital entrepreneur, diving deep with successful digital entrepreneurs to learn more about their stories and their journeys and find out what's working for them, what hasn't been working for them, and so that we can take little parts and pieces uh, and add it to our own toolboxes as digital entrepreneurs. And today on The Digital Entrepreneur, we're going to talk to a man who describes himself as, quote, unable since birth to settle for how things should be. He constantly aims to satisfy pains and frustrations with products that make people's lives easier. He's a proud dad, a husband, and an online entrepreneur who loves creating, marketing, and selling cool things online. He's also a punk rock drummer, a connoisseur of vintage t-shirts, and a showrunner. And if you listen to my other podcast on Rainmaker FM, you might already know who I'm referring to. And I will tell you real quick who our guest is going to be here in just a moment. Uh, But first, you know, I actually have worked with this guy now for over a year. And we spent about the first year of our time working together and hosting a podcast together without ever having met. We had never met before. And we finally met in person last year at Authority Rainmaker, which was the conference that Rainmaker Digital put on last year. And this year, we are not doing Authority Rainmaker, but we have changed our annual conference now to be focused entirely on digital business. And it's called Digital Commerce Summit. And Digital Commerce Summit will be the premier live educational and networking event for entrepreneurs who create and sell digital products and services. It's happening in October, mid-October, the 13th through the 14th in Denver, Colorado. And if you're wondering why Digital Commerce Summit will be worth your time. I mean, in addition to the great people who will be there, the cool parties, the musical performance by Cake, what I think really separates our conference, and I've had a lot of people tell me this, and so I know that it's a view widely shared by people who have been to our past conferences, is that instead of going to a conference where you've got six choices at all times for different presentations to go to, and it's hard to choose, and you're not really getting a coherent educational experience, Well, we do it the complete opposite way. It's a single track. You go from one speaker to the next, and everything is curated. Brian Clark spends a lot of time choosing the speakers, choosing the topics, and then the order that they will present in. And what's cool about it is everybody has the same experience. So there's a different energy 
to the conversations in the hallways and at the networking events and a different ability for you as a conference attendee to actually be able to go from step to step to step with your own project, with your own uh, idea or business that you have in your mind and to really work on it. And you don't always get that at a lot of conferences. You do get it at Digital Commerce Summit, and that's why we want you to join us. For more information, go to rainmaker.fm slash summit. And don't wait to do it because the early bird prices are going to be gone soon. So this episode is going live on July 14th. The early bird prices will be gone on July 27th. That's when they expire. So you've got a couple weeks from the date this episode goes live. Go to rainmaker.fm slash summit to get more information. That's rainmaker.fm slash summit. All right, so who is my guest on today's episode of The Digital Entrepreneur? Well, he co-founded Velocity Page. He now runs Hack the Entrepreneur, one of the most popular business podcasts in the world. He is also my co-host on The Showrunner. And he wrote an Amazon best-selling book uh, about his podcast, Hack the Entrepreneur. So let's talk about the journey of digital entrepreneurship of Johnny Naster on this episode of The Digital Entrepreneur. Johnny Naster, welcome to The Digital Entrepreneur. Thanks for having me, Jared. <laughs> it's great to see you over here, man. Yeah, totally. Very nice. Very nice. All right, well, let's dive right in. Are you ready? Cool, man. Yeah, it's a nice spot over here. It is. It is very nice. So, uh, so Johnny, I've always believed, and I think you and I have even talked about this before, that the number one benefit of digital entrepreneurship is freedom. The freedom to choose your projects, the freedom to chart your course, and ultimately the freedom to change your life and even your family's life for the better. What benefit of digital entrepreneurship do you appreciate the most? I'm going to say lifestyle and freedom. Nice. And why those? Uh, I, I like hanging out with my family and I like playing drums and I like traveling. Um, those are all things that don't do well if you're, if you're too busy and if you are constrained by other people's decisions and schedules. Do you, do you kind of make a distinction between lifestyle and freedom? Cause I know you kind of mentioned them both or do they kind of go hand in hand? Well, the lifestyle I want right at this very moment and for the last couple of years has been very freedom-based. So I don't know if that'll stay necessarily like that. Um, like there are going to be times and there have been times where I've been really focused on growing something and building something. And then it's still lifestyle because it's a lifestyle I choose at the time. Yeah. Uh, but right now it's really freedom-based. It's really I, – I like to be able to just kind of pick up and go. Yeah. So, so you love that ability to kind of intentionally chart out your lifestyle and even as that changes, be able to evolve with it. Yeah, definitely. Like All right, cool. So let's, let's go back. I want to kind of go back to the beginning uh, of your, your journey to becoming a digital entrepreneur. Because every digital entrepreneur, as with any entrepreneur really, has you know, a unique story and, and unique things that happen that bring them here. So take me back to before you became a digital entrepreneur. What were you doing and what was missing that led you to want to make a change? Yeah. The, so I did a lot of different things in my 20s. But then in like my mid to late 20s, I ended up starting a business like in construction um which is weird like putting um like artificials called cultured stone onto like new houses and things I, it was something i discovered i was literally like 
had moved across the country and was in a band and I had found out through somebody in my band's sister about like this stuff you could do. And I had experience in construction cause I grew up, my dad's like a contractor. Um, so I was like, Oh, I could like make some money on the side while playing drums. But then of course, like instantly it went from like, well, you could come and work for us and learn how to do this. I just looked at it. I was like, I could figure that out. And I just like went and started doing it myself. And then just hired employees and started just doing it. Um, and it was cool. But then my daughter was born a few years later. By the time she was about two, I, I was just, I was working a lot, even though I had employees, I was like, we lived right in the city of Vancouver and all the work I did was sort of in the suburbs. So I had to commute a lot. I had to, I was just gone like 10, 12, 14 hours a day, like six, seven days a week. Um, and it was cool because we owned a house in Vancouver and stuff like that, but it was, it's just, it was terrible. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to be gone like that anymore. And I had no idea actually like of the internet as a business thing at that point at all. But I sold that business. We sold that house and then we moved back to the middle of the country. And I spent a couple of years just sort of fumbling my way through uh, some business things, but really trying to, it was only a couple of months when I was back here that I discovered the internet as a business. And then it took me like a couple of years to fumble my way through. Uh, but I knew that that was what I needed to do because it was business to me and it was the same way where I could leverage things and create, but I could literally do it um, without leaving the house for 10, 12, 14 hours a day. And with my daughter being like almost two at the time or two, it was like, this is totally what I have to do. Um, and so I guess the rest, you could say that was eight years ago. And I guess the rest is sort of history at this point. So even before you kind of started fumbling through things, as you say, you saw kind of that opportunity or the potential for the freedom to kind of, you know, because we talked about earlier about designing that lifestyle, you saw that as the as kind of the outcome if you learned, you know, how this whole internet thing would work is that you kind of saw that from the beginning and then worked toward it. Yeah, totally. And it was crazy. Like, I, I guess I'm one of like the old guys of the internet now, but like, it's, it, it's crazy how different it is now, even from then, like going into like a coffee shop, you would be the only person in there with a laptop working. Uh, mm -hmm. Unless you were, there were students, but it was, otherwise there wasn't. Now it's, I can't go anywhere in the world without going into a coffee shop and just looking around and there's 10 other people and I can see them all in WordPress sites or just working and just like, man, this is so cool. Like this has happened so fast, but yeah, there was something about it, man. There was something about the, and I don't even, I guess it was the freedom at that point too, but it was really the scale too, right? And the mm -hmm. reach. I was in a small town. I still am for the next month and a half. I'm in a really tiny city in the middle of nowhere. And I didn't want to start a business that was just doing local stuff because it was way too small for me. It wasn't exciting. It wasn't cool. There wouldn't have been a commute because it's a small town, but I, I wanted reach. I wanted leverage. And that was that. Like I could literally create stuff and have people anywhere in the world um, consume it. That was amazing to me. Yeah. And so I just went for it and fumbled my way through. And here we are. And and part of fumbling your way through, I mean, you were part of the team that developed Velocity Page. You obviously launched a very successful podcast, Hack the Entrepreneur. You're now you know developing an online community to go along with that. So you know you've obviously done a lot online, achieved a lot online. I'm curious, 
you know, of all those things, or maybe another one that I don't even know about, tell me about kind of a moment or a milestone or something that you've achieved online during your career as a digital entrepreneur that you are the most proud of. Uh, three years ago, next month, my my wife got to quit her job. And to me, that was the first stepping stone of like, wow, this is, this is real. This is cool. And then it was like two months later and we went and spent a couple of months down in South America. And it was, it was like, wow, this is all being paid for by like a software business. And I, I'm the only person who works and I don't really have to even work while we're here that much. That to me was, was it. Um, and then even the following year after that, my daughter then dropped out of school as well and became <laughs> home slash unschooled. And so now all of us. But that first step was really, I, I don't know why, that was something I just really, really pushed for. My wife had a quote unquote good job, what she would call it, but she didn't like it at all. She was in like finance at a bank and it was just something she'd gotten into, but she wasn't in any way like turned on and excited by it. So it was really a big, more of a goal of mine almost than of hers to even quit. And it was hard for her to quit when she could because she just thought she shouldn't. But now there's not really any turning back for us. When did that become a goal? Because you said that was three years ago. So what, so you'd been working online for what, about five years before that happened? Yeah. So was that a goal from the beginning or did that, like when did, when did that hit you as like, man, this would be great if this could happen? That was a goal from the beginning um, because my when we were in Vancouver and I had the business, my daughter was just born. My wife got the one year of maternity, whatever it is in Canada. I think it's about nine months or 10 months or a year or something. And she took all that. But then at the end of it, she just quit her job and didn't go back. And that was cool because I had the business and it was great. But then I'd sold the business and we'd moved. And then she took another year off. But then she went back to work. Um, because I didn't have a business at the time. And so then it was like, okay, now I have to like step this up until the point where she feels secure to leave again. And so, but this time digitally, not with like literally, literally a brick and mortar business. Um, So that was my goal. And it took, um, I guess it was a few years to do that. And it, it was really huge to me. Um, and we've made concessions to like that, obviously, like you give up a whole bunch of income anyways, um, either way, but it's still about the freedom. It's about being able to do what we want when we want. So that's what we have done and give. Very cool, man. Very cool. So, uh, okay. So let's take the flip side of that then. That's the moment that you're the most proud of. Tell me now about the most humbling moment in your career as a digital entrepreneur. And more importantly, what did you learn from it? Oh, that's a hard one. There's, oh, <laughs> um, I don't even know if I've ever said this before. Uh, I guess I won't say actual names maybe, but so you mentioned Velocity Page. It was a cool team, uh, great product. It was a lot of fun. And about the first year into it, somewhere I think around nine or 10 months, we we actually almost got acquired um, by a really, really big company that was going to basically acquire, like aqua hire us as a team, um, and bring us into their company. And it was, it was, it was cool. Like the negotiations went on for almost two months and there was like papers drawn up and everything. And, and just at some point it, it literally just fell apart via email 
And um, after we thought it hadn't, and we didn't know that at the time, um, that that's how things worked. We, we, like, we weren't looking for this or anything. It just kind of came to us. And it was really cool, but it was the most humbling, like, deflation of, wow, this is what we're going to do for the next two years. It's going to be really cool. Um, have amazing resources around us and we're going to see where this can go to like, wow, that was brutal. And it it shouldn't have, but I mean, now in hindsight, it actually was a huge sort of part of the whole team just falling apart even after that. Um, yeah. Because it was weird, man. It was it was a weird thing that we we didn't expect and we weren't looking for and we didn't know how to deal with it. And then I, it was, and it was amazing to have my show like hack the entrepreneur because I got to talk to so many really smart people who had been through VC funding, um, just on my show. And so many of them were just like, no man, it like, so like most deals fall through even right at the last second when the paperwork's being signed, it's just how it works, man. It's not you. And it was like, okay. So it wasn't devastating in that way, but it was definitely humbling. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I would imagine so. Like, I mean, in the moment, what was the hardest part in the moment? Was it that this whole thing kind of came out of the blue and you were maybe swimming a little bit out of your depth? Like, did you feel like that? Or was it or was it just that it didn't happen? And like that maybe caused you to question like whether you were as valuable as you thought or, or like what was it about the actual experience when you were going through it that was the most humbling? Um. I, I thought I was kind of kicking ass. I, like I was the one doing all the negotiations and it was really cool. Like talking to just like so many different people within the company and kind of like escalating my way through. And it went from like total like aqua hire, like you'll work for us, like in San Francisco and stuff. And it was just like, no, we're not because we're like three people who are all about having our own freedom and being autonomous. Like we'll work with you and we will fly there, but we're not going to be coming into your office like nine to five. It's just not what we're doing. And that was like all like pushed back against, but then accepted and so many things. And so it went from like, wow, this is cool. And I can really do this part of the business to, yeah, it just totally fell apart and I didn't see it coming. So it was humbling in that way. And then to just be like, but this was like, this was my main job and like the other the rest of the team were like totally like just leaving it to me. And there's like, they would all tell me like, we'd talk about things after I would get off calls and emails and stuff. But it was like, they're like, no man, you got to run this. You got to do this. You got to do this. And then it just fell apart. And I had to like go to them and be like, dude, it's done. Yeah. It was hard, man. It was like super hard. Like it's still right now. It's like saying it cause I don't talk about it, but it was, it was, it was something that definitely, I mean, I don't know what like an MBA or something would cost in business. But to me, this obviously cost probably more and I think taught me more about myself, um, about like some bigger aspects of business that I, I never pushed myself to and I just kind of got pushed into. So I had to learn a lot of stuff quickly about that whole world, um, which I'm, which I know will come back and help me a lot. I'll be so much better going into it next time. You know, it's interesting because I think, you know, to really be successful, especially in something like digital entrepreneurship, where you do have so much freedom to chart your course, you really have to have 
kind of a North Star that helps you make tough decisions. And I'm wondering if you regretted it then and if you regret it now, how that happened. Because it seems to me, you know, you talked earlier about how, you know, the biggest benefit to you of digital entrepreneurship is, you know, the ability to kind of intentionally design your lifestyle. And you talked about being proud of the fact that your wife got to quit her job. And here it seems like it fell through in part because, you know, you guys were holding steadfast to this idea of designing your lifestyle and you didn't necessarily want to move and, and you wanted to keep some of those things. And that maybe was a reason why it fell apart. So do you regret it at all? Would you do have, do it differently if you could? Or did it really turn out the way that it was supposed to and then had the, the benefit of being a learning experience? So I guess there's two answers to that. It's kind of a multi-part question. So I, I don't have regrets just in general. Um, I refuse to have them because to me, there's no point. I can't go back and doesn't change anything. But then if I could go back, obviously I would play it different only because if I, I know what I know now about the process. Right. Um, but I don't blame myself for it. I don't think there wasn't something that like I typed into an email or said that dropped it. It's literally just part of the process. I've been talked through with enough people that are way smarter than me and have been through this way more times than me successfully and unsuccessfully that this is just part of the process. Um, and the, biggest thing that I've actually learned. And if anybody could take this, if you ever end up in that opportunity, which we talked about actually doing at one point, because there was a slight bit of interest. But the thing to do apparently is if you have someone and you're in serious talks with them, you should start conversation with somebody else at the same time quickly and try and get two offers rather than one. Hmm. Um, because it just it shows interest and it kind of puts pressure. Otherwise, they hold all the cards. You don't, um, which is weird. And I was like, that seems like kind of a weird, like backhanded way to do things and stuff. But apparently, that's just how negotiations can be done. Um, that's why people usually, when they're going out looking for VC funding, is you go out for a round and you just you talk to a lot of people at once. Mm-hmm. Um, you might have 10, 20, 30 meetings and then people can just tell you and everybody else knows that you are going to a whole bunch of people. Um, so there's just a general interest in you, not just like a one-off. You have nothing. Just We have everything. <laughs> Do you want it kind of thing? Yeah. So, yeah. So I would change it because I know more now, but no, I don't have regrets, man. No yeah. Point. Okay. So let's fast forward to now and you've got this burgeoning Hack the Entrepreneur Empire with your, you know, your incredible show uh, that you have, Hack the Entrepreneur. Obviously, the book that came out, the the online community that you're starting. What is the one word that you would use right now to sum up the status of your digital business as it stands today? I guess I can't say freedom. Um, I'm gonna say I don't you, know, man. You, you can say freedom, but you have to say it like uh, William Wallace in. Uh, I don't know this one. <laughs> so in like, Braveheart. one word that would sum up the status of my business right now is cool a word <laughs> that I can use. Cool it, is a it word. Really, <laughs> like it's my business right now is so it's so just a part of like my life and what I do that it's really awesome in that way to the point where I almost don't even consider it a business. And it's funny because when I talk to people uh, like that, like especially like my mastermind, they just stop me every time. Like, dude, it's totally a business is something you create something and you get paid for it. That's a business. I'm like, I know, but it doesn't seem like it should be a business, but you get paid for it. I know, but I'm just having conversations with really cool people. It doesn't really make sense. <laughs> um, so it's, it's, I don't know, man. It's cool. Cool. It's, it really is because it feels crazy that I can get paid to do this and I get paid fairly well 
to do this. Literally just something that I enjoy doing so well. Um, just, and it becomes a product, a piece of media that I can then sell advertising and stuff around. Yeah. That's, it's crazy. Um, and really, really cool. It is. It's very cool. Clearly. <laughs> so what's, what's at the top of your priority list right now? Oh, the top of my priority list right now is launching a new product, my first ever product in the music industry. Whoa. And it, it's, it's got me like staying up at night and not being able to sleep and really, really, really excited. Hmm. So what's, what's the next step? I mean, obviously, I know you probably don't want to get into all of the details, but what's the next step for that project? What are you doing next to take it to, to the next step? Uh, we're launching hopefully two weeks, um, the MVP version of it. And so right now I'm, I'm obsessed with being like a product guy, like with velocity page, I was the product manager sort of thing. I'm really obsessed sort of with product and onboarding processes within software. So I'm really like obsessively reading and like things and just getting ideas and going over with the designer and going through the actual product and creating a cool onboarding process for this new product. There's that word again. Cool. Yeah, man. Um, it's, it's, it is cool. It's going to be cool. It is. Um, and, and it's music. So it's bringing together something I've never done and it's completely separate from everything I, I've ever done. So it, it's, yeah, I'm, it's weird. It's weird how I stumbled across it and how obvious of an idea it seems to be now, but it doesn't exist. And it's, I'm, I'm excited. It's going to be fun, man. So how did you make the decision to say yes to this? Because obviously that means that you have to kind of take your eye off the ball. Maybe not take your eye off the ball, but I mean, that diverts resources that you could be using on Hack the Entrepreneur and some of the other stuff that you've already built. And I know that you're, you know, you're very careful with what you say yes to as any successful person is. So how did you make that decision to say yes to this? It took a long time. Uh, six months ago or so, I, I was at, so the idea is called Showlist. Um, and it's literally going to be like, um, you can list all the bands you've ever seen live and the bands you want to see live and yeah. And the bands you're going to see live. Um, and oh, then nice. you can share it socially. So it's basically like a good reads, um, but for shows and concerts instead. Um, and so there's going to be like discoverability, but I created my own quote unquote show list, um, in a Google doc six months ago while I was at a festival, a music festival with my wife in Austin. And I, I really just wanted to share it with people. And so I started like Googling, where do I put this? And there's like people just had it on Facebook. They would put their list or one guy had it on some weird blog. He had his own list. And there was like hundreds of comments anytime somebody put their like list of bands. And I was like, wow, that's cool. So I immediately bought show list. No, I didn't. I bought bands. I've seen live.com like right then. Yeah. Uh, and then I just let it sit. I let it sit for, four or five months um, because I was doing some other things. Then Velocity Page shut down, which gave me some free time, but then I still didn't jump on it. And then it just seemed like the right time. I kept kind of avoiding it um, almost intentionally because it seemed like maybe I was saying yes too quickly because um, I came up with the idea. I bought the domain. So many things I had done before really quickly and then just like, I'm going to do this project. And then it just kind of fizzles. So I really let it sort of sit and sort of stew. And it just kind of kept coming back to me uh, here and there. And then finally, it was just like, 
no, this is, this is exactly what I should be doing. Um, then I just worked on a name. I worked on finding a developer um, who's a good friend of mine and is really good at just launching MVP products. And yeah, we just decided to go for it, man. Um, so yeah, I definitely defaulted like to no for many, many, many months. And I just, it, when it just kept coming back enough times and then when my plate just sort of naturally kind of cleared it, it seemed like the right thing to do. And because it's so separate from hack the entrepreneur that it, it doesn't seem like it's muddling anything. Um, like it's not going to divert attention because it's completely separate to me. Um, just completely, completely separate. And so it's, I'm either focusing on one or the other, but it's not like kind of where I'm kind of like, well, I'm half doing this and half doing that. So to me, it really makes sense business wise. And personally, it feels really good to be back with the team building, um, some cool software. Yeah. All right. Tell me a little bit about the biggest challenge that you're facing right now. The biggest challenge I'm facing right now. Yeah. What is the biggest challenge I'm facing right now? It's a good question. Um, and don't say working with your showrunner co-host. <laughs> <laughs> um, the biggest challenge, I'm going to say finding simplicity. Hmm. So it's, I, I just spent a full week in Lisbon, Portugal with two super smart dudes. Um, they're the guys in my mastermind and sort of tearing apart my life and my business, um, for them for 24 hours. And it's been brought to my attention and made very clear. And I fully agree. And it makes sense that I needed to find simplicity. Um, and so simplicity within hack the entrepreneur and simplicity within whatever I do outside of that. Um, this being show list right now, but, um, I, I kind of lost focus on hack the entrepreneur, I think, and was trying too many different things. And I think I had lost what had sort of got me to where I was, um, with my people a little bit. And so like, I hadn't been writing my weekly newsletter as much, um, just because I'd been sort of muddled and confused by a bunch of stuff. And it was because I was overthinking too many things. And so, my biggest challenge right now is really getting simplification within the business. Um, literally just cutting out things that aren't either furthering me or furthering my business or furthering um, my audience in any way. And so I just, I need to just be better. I need to be a better writer and I need to be a better interviewer and have better conversations. Those are the things that people want for me and need for me. And those are the things that I want to, to grow and that will grow the business. So yeah. yeah, man, simplification is the biggest thing right now. So everything I'm doing rather than trying to add anything else right now, I'm looking at every different aspect of everything I'm doing and trying to just like hit delete on as much of it as possible. Yeah. Wow. You know, and one area that can simplify our lives if we're smart about it, or they can definitely overcomplicate things if we're not, is our tools and the set of tools that we use as we go through every day. So do you mind if we open up your toolbox a little bit and kind of take a peek inside? Yeah, let's do it. So what is one technology tool that you think contributes the most to your success as a digital entrepreneur? Oh, you're going to hate me for saying this. Am I? But I'll say, I'll say the Rainmaker platform. No, I don't, I don't hate you for that. <laughs> I, and I'm going to say it, especially because this past week, and I know when I say this, that 
anybody listening is going to be like, oh, yeah. So I have – I don't know how, how many other domains that I don't use. Whatever. We all have them, right? And they all run WordPress. So – it was like Saturday or Friday or something night. And those emails started coming in where your, your WordPress site has been updated. <laughs> and I used to hate that so much. Um, cause literally just like, Oh my God, what broke? And I'd have to go and like update plugins and then all the plugins, like some of them wouldn't work. So they don't have updates yet. And it was like, it was the biggest nightmare. Cause they always do it at night. It seems. And then my whole night's like ruined and I'm trying to do it. Now they come and I just like, oh, I don't care. Because <laughs> I don't have to deal with any of it. It's right. so awesome. Because you don't have but to I, worry about the plugin exactly. updates. Exactly. So I, I literally just like, I see them now. I just get so excited. I was like, oh, I remember having to worry about this like two years ago. And to me, that's not freedom, having to worry about that kind of stuff. So right. it doesn't fit into what I'm trying to do. So definitely the Rainmaker platform. Very cool. Very cool. What is, what is the non-technology tool that contributes the most to your success? Small, little yellow post-it notes. Ooh. How do you use those? I write three things max on the top one every single day. Those are the three things that I need to do today, and I just do them. Uh, no apps, no fancy things, just literally what do I have to do, write it on the post-it notes, stick it on my desk in front of me, and don't stop until that's done. Then I can start going and playing on Facebook and Twitter if I want to. So let me ask you a question. So like something like this, we had this interview scheduled. Does that count for you on those three things? Or is that or is this kind of something extra? Like how do you... I, I find that to be something of a challenge, you know, when I'm kind of trying to plan my to-do list and what am I going to do when you have certain things scheduled? Do you count those? No. This to me is like production is what I call it. Um, this is... Interviews, um, whether I'm being interviewed or doing the interview, are absolutely necessary for what I'm trying to accomplish with Hack the Entrepreneur, um, but it's production. It just has to happen um, or else nothing else exists. So it's not a to-do. It's on my calendar and it's there, but um, yeah, no, not at all, man. It wasn't on my list today. So there's a, a distinction between production and then to-dos. Like to-dos are more like three big things that will move you forward or like help you take the next step. Production is just like this stuff just has to happen. Yeah. You start production in the media business that you're owning, John no longer exists. So yeah. it's not, it's not a matter of like, well, I got to do this today. It's like, well, no, it's understood that I have to do production. Uh, it's just how it is. And that's not every day because it's not on my calendar every day, but the days that it is, it's just essential that that's what I do. And even when it is, even when you're overloaded, you still have three things. Like, do you try and say like, okay, well, I might have a little bit less time. So let me pick three things that are a little bit smaller that I can fit in. Like, are you making those distinctions sure. each day? Yeah, for sure. Like Tuesdays is my big production day. And so I'll have three things tomorrow, but I, I won't have three big things at all. Um, and if I have one big thing on the list that's going to take me like an hour or two hours or three hours to do, I'll put two small things on there. Yeah. Um, but... That's it, man. Cool. All right. So moving forward, I, I asked you earlier for one word that you would use to sum up the status of your business as it stands today. And you said, cool, which is a great answer. If we talk again in a year, and I certainly hope we do, <laughs> something would go very wrong if you and I are not <laughs> talking in a year. What would you want that one word to be then? Depth. Depth. Why yeah. depth? It goes with simplicity. Um, so show list, hack the entrepreneur. I'm going to simplify both of them so that 
I'm only working on the things that really truly matter to me and to my audience. Um, but I'm going to go deep on those things. And right now, or up till a month ago, I was going wide on too many things. And it was, it was like 10% Johnny on this, like 3% on this. Then I want like a hundred percent on the things I'm doing. The couple things I'm doing, I want to go all in. I want to be the best writer I can be. I want to be the best interviewer I can be. And I want to take show list to as many thousands of people as I can. By the way, I want to get on show lists. That's a like I don't I'm not real big on sharing a lot of things on social media, but I think you may really tap into a nerve there because I would love to share like shows I've been to and especially like you know little shows of smaller bands and be able to review them. That'd be great. And yeah. you're right, there's no great way to do that. I know, and it, it one of the 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 sticking points that came back to me when during that six month process was that conversation that I had with you and Damien last summer. And during the conversation I was interviewing you guys, and then you guys each mentioned like a show you had seen and both of you like astounded me with like, how did I not know this about you guys? Mm-hmm. Cause I all of a sudden saw you in a completely new light. And I was like, I want to know that about people. I want to <laughs> yeah. know that they've seen these bands. It, it does. It can, it can tell you something about somebody. It does. Know? Yeah. That's what I think is really cool. And so that to me was, it's not just bragging. It's kind of, it's really interesting to me to see those kind of things. Yeah. Very cool, man. Very cool. All right. Well, are you ready for the, uh, for the new digital entrepreneur rapid fire round of questions? Absolutely. All right. Here we go. If you could have every person who will ever work with you or for you read one book, what would it be? Uh, difficult conversations, how to discuss what matters most. Uh, I believe it's Harvard business put it out. Um, but there's like three or four authors, but it's difficult conversations. Oh, I have crucial conversations. Is that, is that different, different authors? Yeah. Well, I, I, yeah, I've never heard of crucial. Okay. Yeah. I was thinking that I had read that before, but okay. I have crucial. So difficult conversations. All right. And why that, why that one? I think every relationship that takes any depth and really kind of goes anywhere meaningful. So through employees or creation of stuff, products, services, whatever it is, business, uh, it takes a lot of difficult conversations and being able to understand that on one side is one thing. But if, if I could do that and also the person on the other side could bring those conversations to me, I think we would be able to achieve much greater things. Yeah. Okay. Difficult conversations. If you could have a 30-minute Skype call to discuss your business with anyone, anyone in the world tomorrow, who would it be? Wow. I should have prepared. Uh, Let's say Peter Levels. Peter Levels. Yeah. Why Peter? Because he's got a real knack for scaling from himself to like really cool sort of web apps that um, do really well. And he has a really good knack for creating a good story around a product that could be kind of boring. And so therefore getting PR. Um, the next thing is that I, I probably could talk to Peter tomorrow if I wanted. Um, <laughs> but but he's, he's a super smart dude from Holland. Uh, he created Nomad List and a few other things that have really taken off. And he's just a really, really, really smart dude. Um, So, yeah, I think he could help me a lot right now. Nice. All right, question number three. What is the one email newsletter that you can't do without? Uh, Heaton's SAS Weekly. Oh, yeah. So Heaton Shaw, Mm -hmm. I believe, yeah. Um, That's a good one. 
Yeah, it comes out every Monday morning. So I got one today and it's a curated list. And if I'm I'm into software, so it's it's the one for me. Yeah, that's a really good one. Highly recommend that one. All right. What non-book piece of art had the biggest influence on you as a digital entrepreneur? Ooh, this one's easy. Frank Turner. Ooh. Uh, he's a musician from London, England. And yeah. he has a song called Eulogy. And that one to me is it. It's all summarized by all the things that uh, he might not become, but he wants to at least know when he dies that at least he blanking tried. Yeah. Nice. That's, that's to me his creation, just to at least know you tried. Yeah. Very cool. All right. What productivity hack has had the biggest impact on your ability to get more meaningful work done? Uh, definitely doing only three things a day and only doing one thing at a time. Mm-hmm. Simplification, not jumping around to things. Don't move until you're done. <laughs> Do you have... You mentioned getting one thing done at a time. That can be an issue for folks with focus and distractions. How do you make sure that you focus just on the one thing and, and get that done without getting distracted? It's, it, I think it just takes practice. I'm yeah. the most distracted, most erratic, most want to get up and just do or move to the next page person. And I think I've just been doing it long enough because I know that that's what it takes to do the work that I want to do and achieve the things I want to achieve. And I don't want to spend eight hours a day or 10 hours a day working when I know that I'm actually only doing an hour and a half worth of work anyways. I'm not that kind of person that just wants to brag about how much I worked. I'd rather work for two or three hours and then go do something else. Um, but know that I feel so accomplished because I did so much. So it really just takes practice. But just every time you want, it, it's like meditation to me. Like when, when you feel your mind start to wander, just bring it back. When you feel yourself wandering to Twitter, just bring it back. Don't curse yourself. Don't tell yourself you're no good or that you could never focus because I'm the least focused person ever. Um, and if I can do it, anyone can do it. Um, so just don't be hard on yourself. Just know that it's going to take a few weeks to get into that habit of just staying focused. Um, and that's why I think why I use the yellow post-it notes and everything, because it takes technology. I mean, obviously I have to be on a computer to work, but I don't also have to be on a phone, like checking the Wonderlist app or something so that I can see. And then it's like, oh, a t- like a tweet came or, oh, there's a <laughs> message from my wife or there, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's, it, it, yeah. I have to outsmart myself in that way. <laughs> I really, truly do. And then just know that this is how to get the work I want to get done. Yeah. Okay. And finally, what is the single best way for someone inspired by today's discussion to get in touch with you if they want to? Uh, email me. John at hacktheentrepreneur.com. John at hacktheentrepreneur.com. Very good. That's it. Johnny Naster. Thank you for joining us on The Digital Entrepreneur. I almost said Hack the Entrepreneur. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on, uh, on The Digital Entrepreneur, man. It was, uh, it was exciting learning more about your story. You said some things today I didn't know. That was, uh, that was good. Very interesting. Cool, man. Hopefully it wasn't a difficult conversation. No, no, it wasn't. But it was a <laughs> crucial conversation. And I'm glad that we had it. It was deep and it was cool. It was, yeah, it was fun, man. Thanks so much <laughs> yeah. for having me. Cool. Thanks, Johnny. Thank you very much for tuning in to this episode of The Digital Entrepreneur. A reminder, go to rainmaker.fm slash summit. Make sure that you check out uh, what Digital Commerce Summit is all about so that you can decide while the early bird prices are still in effect, whether or not you want to attend. I sure hope you will. I will be there. 
so many folks from our Rainmaker Digital team will be there, and we really hope to be able to meet you and discuss your project with you and discuss all the great presentations that you'll see. So go to rainmaker.fm slash summit. And also, just a quick note, uh, we should be here next week with another episode, but I do just want to let you know uh, that my wife is pregnant. We are down now to the final couple of weeks, and so uh, obviously our daughter is now the one who is in control. She can come uh, whenever she decides to. So at that point, whenever she does come, I will probably take a little bit of time off, uh, which will mean that uh, the Digital Entrepreneur will probably go a couple of weeks without a new episode. And so if you come here next week and you're looking for an episode and it's not there, uh, that will be the reason why uh, I had to go see about a girl uh, in the immortal uh, words of, uh, of Sean in Goodwill Hunting. Uh, in this case, the girl, of course, will be my new daughter. I'm very excited to meet. Uh, but if she has not come yet, then we will be back with a new episode next week. Uh, so stay tuned for that. But either way, I'm very, very excited uh, to continue on this new path with the digital entrepreneur, uh, talking to digital entrepreneurs like you and me, learning about their stories, learning about their journeys. And so if there is anyone that you think would be great to profile that you'd love for me to interview, uh, just send me a tweet at Jared Morris, J-E-R-O-D-M-O-R-R-I-S. Uh, I'd love the input and, and always would appreciate your thoughts on the show. Yeah. So connect with me over there. All right, everybody. Talk to you soon.